for visiting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We pray the following message will be encouraging to you. Listen in as we start taking away the layers of religion and discover the joys of a relationship with the Creator. All right, I need three people just excited about the Word of God with me. All right. All right, we got three, so we're good. Amen. I mean, you know, one word could change your life. One word could change your life. Amen? Well, all right. I'm glad. I'm so happy to see so many different people and so many familiar people. And it's just awesome how, how colorful this family is. Amen? <laughs> all right. I'm going to start with a quote. Last week got good to me, so I want to start with a quote from last week, if that's all right with you. Not that you have an option, but... There are some things that God will not deliver us from because He wants to deliver us through. Amen? When God won't keep you from it, He'll surely keep you through it. Somebody say amen. You preaching too, puppy? Oh, alright. This is, this is not a skit. It would have been a good one, but... <laughs> He'll never come back to church. He's so embarrassed, Dito. We love you, bro. You're the man. All right, when God won't keep you from it, He'll keep you through it. Well, I, I, as I kept going over that last week, I just started remembering some times in my life when I went through things that I never thought I would see the end of. Anybody, anybody with me on that? Some of us have been through some things that we wouldn't wish on people we don't even like. Right? We've had some struggles we never thought we'd get through. We've gotten ourselves into places we never thought we'd get out of. Relationships we thought would destroy us. Addictions we knew would finish us. Sicknesses we thought would kill us. And losses we thought we would never recover from. I'm not talking to anybody today. Well, I've talked about many of those times in my life where I had crises that just rocked my world, that shook the foundations of my faith, everything I believed, everything I thought I was sure of. I don't, I don't ever hide behind the pulpit. I'm pretty transparent with you guys. I let you know when I struggle. I let you know what I feel and what I'm going through because I believe it allows you to identify with me. Amen? And so I've shared, many of you know this story, but I really felt led to share it. I tried to shake it. I tried to get it off, but I had to share it today. It, it, it was a time, one of the hardest times of my life. It was when my oldest daughter, who was 11 at the time, was rushed into the hospital, doubled over with excruciating pain in her stomach. See, she had been complaining earlier that morning. It was a Sunday morning. And she had been complaining, stomach, stomach, stomach pain, stomach pain. And you know Spanish people, we just say, take a pulgante, everything's good. Right? Laxative. Right? Come on, mom. it's just gas, mommy. Just go to the bathroom. Bobby, I don't have to go to the bathroom. Just go to the bathroom. Going to, bless you. Going to the bathroom would, you know, fix everything. It's all good. But she just had a lot of pain and pain. And we just said, okay, well, you know how, how we are on Sunday mornings. Well, I got to get to church. So how about you stay home and we're going to go to church. So we went to church. When we came home, she was even worse. So naturally, we felt guilty now. 
Right, we was getting our worship on in church, and she was hurting at home in pain. So we rushed her to the hospital, and we rushed her in. And for the next 24 hours or so, they would try to figure out what was wrong with my daughter. The surgeons thought it was one thing. The x-ray people thought it was something else. The nurses thought it was something else. The janitor mopping the floor said it was something else. Everybody had a different opinion about what was wrong with her. And so there were tests after test after... And every test would hurt her more. And every test, I would have to hold my daughter still while they hurt her more. And anybody just understand contemplating murder? I mean, I, I, in my head, I, there were moments that where I knew that if I killed this doctor and left the room, that maybe I wouldn't get caught. Like, I actually thought that way because they were being so, you know, every test hurt so much and they couldn't give her anything for the pain until they figured out what was wrong with her. Well, we prayed and prayed and prayed. We slept there in the hospital with her. And really quickly, I have to share with you and confess that my faith was rocked. If you have ever had a child that was suffering, you know this prayer. God, let it be me. God, please, me, why her? Let me deal with this. I can handle this. I'll handle anything. Just not her, God. Why her? You, if, if you're a parent, and you, you understand that prayer. God, stop this. She can't handle anymore. And, and, you know, when you have nothing to say to her, and you have nothing to encourage her with, and you have nothing valuable to say to answer and you can't stop the pain and it's just god just just god i'll give an arm i'll give a leg just let it be me some of you know that prayer well the next day they determined that they could not wait any longer to find out what it was and so they were going to have to cut her and go in and they, they made a sign, all these papers, and they said, preliminary, we're going to make an incision this size, and you need to sign for that. But if we don't find anything, then we need to open up the incision to this. You know, and they gave us all these things, what they were going to do, and we need to sign in case, you know, that everything was all right. No matter what, you know, they did, it was all good. And so we, we signed all that because, you know, they needed to go in there and, and explore. Well, we found out what a lot of people thought. It was her appendix, and it had ruptured. And there was a point in, in there that I just couldn't pray anymore. I had nothing left to say to God. I had said it all already. I thank God for my friends who came around and prayed when I couldn't pray. I, I'll never forget those that stood beside us and, and, and prayed for us and just stood there and got us coffee or got us whatever and just made sure we were comfortable or just let us be angry. I'll never forget those friends that stood by me. That's why we need a church family, amen? That's why we need to, to, to be a family so that we can support each other, right? But how many of you know every family got one or two of those special... Every family, right? Got one or two of those special cousins, those special people. They mean well, but they're the ones that will drive you to a breakdown. You see, at this point, I didn't know an appendix rupturing was such a big deal. I knew that my father had his appendix out. I've seen people, you know, they get their appendix out all the time. But it was in the prayers of these people that I understand how serious this was. People that come in praying like this. Oh, Father God. Father God, you know that people die from this every day. 
Oh, praying in the hospital with shared rooms. There's other patients around. So now we're the crazy Christian people. Father God, you know this killed my cousin. Father God, you know, God, that lady in, in Titi Loca's building on the fourth floor, you know she died from this, Father God. Oh, Jesus. It was then that I learned how, how serious this was. Amen? Side note of teaching, your prayers should bring comfort to people. Your prayers should bring, should bring the love and peace of God to people. Amen? I mean, you can't pray wrong, don't get me wrong. God hears even the mumbled prayers that you don't pray right, you know. But, but think about the people you're praying for when you pray. Because that didn't help me one bit. <laughs> that made me start hating Christians even more. I wasn't a pastor yet, but I was a youth pastor, and I was already starting to be done with the church. <laughs> so needless to say, they went in, they operated. Um, they opened her up, and they, we found out that it had ruptured, but everything stayed in one neat little place. And they were able to, this, when the surgeon came out, whom I kissed, I asked him, can I kiss you? And he said, yeah, and we hugged him and kissed him. He was able to get everything out in one attempt, closed it up for good, and within a few days and a lot more of those prayers, she fully recovered. Amen? Amen. And if for no other reason than to help me understand how hard it must have been for God to send His Son, God was saying to me, I won't keep her from it, but I will keep her through it. And he said to me, even as angry as you were, and as much as you doubted, and as much as you were willing to give up, I'm going to get her through, and I'm going to get you through. And I haven't given up on you, and I haven't doubted what I started in you. I love you, I've called you, and I'm going to keep you. Now that wasn't just for me that day, but for those of you today that needed to hear that, listen to this again. Even as angry as you have been, and as much as you have doubted, and despite all the times you were willing to give up, I'm going to get you through. I haven't given up on you. I haven't doubted what I started in you. I love you. I've called you, and I'm going to keep you. Say thank you. Say thank you. Praise God, somebody. It would be five or six years later that we start this church. What would have happened if I gave up then? Wow. Well, all right. Last week, we left off in Daniel chapter 6. We're going through the book of Daniel. And the last week, uh, Daniel in chapter 6, Daniel was thrown into the lion's den. And we saw how God sent an angel to shut the mouths of the lions. And after that, the king says in Daniel 6.26, I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear God and reverence the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heaven and on the earth. And he has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. Amen? And then really short there in verse 28 it says, And so Daniel prospered. So, 
Let's understand what just happened there. Daniel stands strong for God. He continues to pray even when it wasn't allowed. He continues to pray even when it was unpopular, even when it was against the law to do so. His faithfulness to God got him hated on, played, and thrown into a den of lions. But God's faithfulness shut the mouths of the lions, and the whole ordeal made the king give testimony that God is the living God, and that he saves, and that he rescues, and that he, and he got him to issue another decree that everyone in his kingdom must fear and reverence Daniel's God. Turn to the person next to you and say, what's that got to do with me? I'm glad you asked. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Look look what's happened so far in Daniel. Watch. Daniel and his four friends stood firm and they fasted the king's diet, right? And Nebuchadnezzar tested them and testified that they were better off, right? Daniel then boldly interpreted Nebuchadnezzar's dream and the king honored Daniel and honored his God, remember? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stood firm and they were thrown in the fire and Nebuchadnezzar saw God in the fire and gave glory to God. You got to catch that. See, they, they stood and they made the ungodly see God. That's, that's crazy. Right? So many times we try, to make, we try to make ungodly people see God. We try to give them scriptures. We try to give them oh, tracts. And we try to hit them over the head with their study Bibles. We try to do everything, everything. But, but it says by just standing, these three boys, they made the ungodly see God. What else happened? Daniel confronted Nebuchadnezzar with the truth. And eventually the king humbled himself and gave glory to God. Daniel stood firm later on and boldly told the next king, Belshazzar, told him the truth and the king honored Daniel and even his death was a testimony to God's word was through Daniel was true. And lastly, Daniel was thrown into the lion's den because he refused to redirect his prayers and God protected him and the king testifies that, when God, that his God rescues and he declares that all must honor God. What are we seeing? When we stand, God shines. Rest of, some of you can leave already. That's all you needed today. When we stand, God shines. The point is plain. When we stand firmly in godly conviction and honor God, even when it costs us, even when it's unpopular, even when it goes against the crowd, one fivers, even, even then others will see us and give glory to God. See, you can't testify with a testimony till you've been tested. <laughs> Amen? It's no, it's no English miracle that the word test is in testimony, is it? You can't testify with a testimony till you've been tested. Listen, it's about time for the world to see some real men and women of faith. Can I get an amen? See, the church has been known for too many years as a gathering of grandmas and hypocrites. Am I lying? That's the way the world sees us. That that place is for grandmas and hypocrites. When we stand... The ungodly see God. See, if you want to see the youth of a nation start packing the churches of our cities and living for God, then we have to show them first some powerful men and women of faith who are doing it first. 
they have to stop seeing self-righteous religious fanatics who dress up on Sundays and cheat on their wives all week. They have to stop seeing tight-collared men who worship in church and curse their kids at home. See, men, when we stand, God shines and change comes. Come on, I'm preaching better than you're amening. The Obama campaign declares all over the nation, change has come to America. How many of you have seen the posters? The flyers, the campaigns, the, the, the billboards, the commercials. Change has come to America. I don't know about you, but it, we don't need color in the White House. We need character. Amen? Some people got too excited because there's color in the white. Yeah, that's a breakthrough. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's incredible. But, but, but I don't care if it's Jose Fernandez. I don't care if it's Juan Valdez. I don't care if it's Maria de la Cruz de su madre someplace. It, it doesn't matter. We need character in, the, in that office. Amen? The only thing that's going to change, I feel like I'm running for president. The only thing that's going to change America is when change comes to the church. See, the word says it plainly. If my people who are called by my name, how many of you know that's us, that's the church, that's not the ungodly. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. See, in the book of Daniel, we see Daniel praying, plotted against, praising, persistently serving, persecuted, protected, preferred, preserved, then prospered. A stimulus check is not the answer to turn things around. <laughs> Verse 28 says, and Daniel prospered. So what does that mean then? Well, maybe prosperity comes at the end of that list, doesn't it? Means, maybe it means that we better be praying. Even when, and even then, when they're going to be plotting against us, we better be praising. Because how many of you know that in praise there's freedom? In worship there's liberty. Amen? So even when they're plotting against us, we better be praising. And even when we're praising, we better be persistently serving. Too many people get stuck on praising and you just want to come Sunday and you'll bounce from church to church just to get your praise on, but you're not persistently serving. There's too many shallow, shallow Christians. Amen? Shallow. I, I go here because the worship is good here. But what do you do here? You are wasting a seat. Amen? You're not even paying the electric bill. You need to bounce. Get a worship CD. You need to be praising. We need to be persistently serving. And don't worry when we get persecuted because God says we'll also be protected. And we'll be preferred. And no matter what happens, we'll be preserved. And after being proven, we'll be prospered. Come on, that's good stuff. There is no winning without warfare. There's no opportunity without opposition. There's no success without struggles. There's no victory without vigilance. I am going to run for president. 
When we stand, God shines and change comes. Oh man, that's good. Many of us have been through some things that we thought we'd never get. We thought those things would be the end of the world to us. Am I talking to anybody? Many of us have been through some things we never thought we'd see the end of. We never thought we'd be here today. I got to tell you, I never thought I'd see 35. All right, 41. So what? So what? But here we are today, living, breathing proof that what God won't keep you from, He'll keep you through. Amen. Somebody need to hear that today. So Ephesians, listen, listen, this is for you today. You could be in a rough season. You could be going through some tough times. You could be, you know, sweating and going crazy with the economy like everybody else in the world is. You could be having some really serious, legitimate, hard times. Your marriage could be struggling. Your children could be wilding out. You could just be, you could be getting evicted. You could be still looking for, uh, you understand, right? We could be going through some serious stuff. Ephesians 6.13 says, Therefore, take up the full armor of God, so that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand. Having done all to stand, stand. Some uh, people are telling me all the time, Well, what do I do? How do I do? Just stand. Well, how am I going to? Just stand. Just stand. Sometimes the hardest thing to do is to do nothing and just stand. Standing means I'm not compromising. Standing means I'm not going back. Standing means I'm not, I'm not watering it down. I'm not moving away. Standing means I'm standing. I'm standing on the promises that God has for me. I'm standing. Having done all to stand, stand. When we stand, God shines and change comes. You could have a hundred excuses for not standing today. And I'm not going to let you get away with one. The Word of God says that God is no respecter of persons. That's just fancy talk to say nobody is better than you. Amen? Nobody's better than you. You probably never heard that in a church before. Nobody's better than you. Nobody on the ministry team. Nobody on the worship team. The pastor of the church. The associate. The pastor. Whatever. Nobody is better than you. God is not a respecter of persons. We all start at the same level. Amen? I'm going. God sees us all the same exact way through the lens of His grace and His mercy. And see, that's what I love about the Word of God that people outside of it don't understand. In the Word of God, there are no superheroes. No superheroes. You could find, I challenge you to find one and email it to me. My email is sal at sanctuaryfellowship.org. Just email, send the email, send them. There are no superheroes in the Bible and I know that that's on purpose. Amen? Amen? See, I love going through the lives of these men and women like we've been doing all last year and we're going to keep doing this year because, see, religion always has the tendency to clean up our Bible characters. Don't we? We don't like telling the ugly stuff. 
We don't like talking about how God uses a prostitute. We don't like talking about how God comforted the whore. We don't like talking about how God comforted the pimp and the player. And we don't like talking. We like to keep it holy up in here, right? But yet the Word of God says that, you know, there's whores putting tent pegs through people's heads. It's raw in the Bible, isn't it? Well, y'all don't know, you don't read it. I'm not making friends today. But you see, when we clean up the Bible, when we clean up our characters, see, when we do that to the men and women of the Word, they become these superhumans that you and I could never identify with. And if you can't identify with them, then reading about them is pointless and boring. And, and trying to, to, to walk the way that they walked and doing the things that they did will always be out of reach. But when we understand that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and when we realize that God's plan is for ordinary people to do extraordinary things, only then will we start living the lives that we've been called to live. Listen, lives that shine with the love of God. Lives that stand strong and reflect the power of God. Lives that in the hardest of times can count it all joy, proving the peace of God. When we stand, God shines and change comes. See, I loved going through the Elijah with you guys last year because Elijah at times was one of the most amazing men in the Word, in the word of God. Amen? He did some crazy stuff. He did some revolutionary things. I love it because when you read the whole story, he had times of doubt just like me. When you read the whole story, the whole thing, when you don't clean them up, you, you realize he had times of depression just like some of you. He ran away from things sometimes. Can anybody relate to that? Some of you got always your sneakers on. You're running from everywhere. Right? If it gets ugly, you run. If it gets uncomfortable, you run. Always got your, your, your sneakers on. But he had times just like us. He contemplated suicide, or at least he wished he was dead, just like some of us. Amen? If we clean him up, then you and I could never relate to anything he did or he accomplished. See, we should be saying God is powerful. God is awesome. God does some incredible things through Elijah, and he could do it through me. Amen? Because you see, if God could use a man who challenges <coughs> hundreds of men to a battle of the gods, remember? And then wins that battle and then kills 400 of their priests. If God could use somebody like that, but then who, he runs away and quits when one woman send, sends him a nasty email. If God could use a man like that, he could use me. And he could use you. Amen? Come on. We can look at David, an awesome little kid, man. This kid fought wild animals as a teenager. He killed them with his bare hands just to protect the sheep. How many of you do that for your four, you know, seven dollar an hour minimum wage jobs? Just to protect the hamburgers. You 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 know, no man, no. They hold up McDonald's, you go go right ahead. Knock it out. I ain't killing myself for French fries. Right? He, 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 he killed animals.
animals just to protect the sheep, just to do his job. He went up against a giant named Goliath who everyone was scared to fight. And he took off his armor before going and he killed him with a rock and a slingshot. David grew up. God called him a man after his own heart. He was a worshiper and a musician. He was such an awesome musician that when he played, demons chilled out. Amen? Remember every time Saul got demons in his head, like the song we sang today, Messiah, when he played, demons chilled out. Tell me, that's an awesome musician, right? When he worshipped, evil spirits calmed down. He later became a king. David was even in the lineage of Jesus, so he came from royal blood. But if God could use a man who even after some of those awesome experiences stays home from a war he should have been fighting and instead of fighting in this war he's a peeping Tom checking out naked women on a, on a rooftop and, and, and he got to feeling this woman so much because he must have been staring at her for a couple days or a couple weeks it was just getting good to him he couldn't handle himself anymore you understand? He, he had her brought over to him because he's the man and, and, and he knew her in the biblical sense. And now the word of God doesn't tell us one way or another whether that was consensual or not. Basically, she had no choice. So, so can we can even maybe even dare to say maybe David raped her. If God could use a man that would do something like that, he sleeps with her, then he covers up her pre the pregnancy, and to do that, <coughs> he has her husband killed. If God could use a man like that, then he could use me, and he could use you. Amen? So that, that just proved it to some of you. Turn to the person next to you and say, even you. Even you, he could use you. Thank you, bro. Even you. Tell the ugly guy next to you, even you. See, the Word of God does not hide the ugly. It doesn't allow us room to make superheroes out of every, any character. Jesus was the only Superman who took on death to save the planet and won. Let me say that again. You didn't catch that. Jesus was the only Superman who took on death to save the planet and won. Thank you. Have you ever noticed, I was in a class once with, with um, all these leaders and we were, you know, discussing theology, you know, wonderful, wonderful place. And, and so we were all around the table discussing this and the guy said, okay, today we're going to talk about the family. What family in the Word of God does God give us so that, to, to give us as a role model that we can live like? And so... You know, sometimes I like to talk before I think, and so I already, you know, got everybody's attention to speak, and I was like, well, obviously the... Because um, I, I thought for sure I must have known five or six families. I, I've been reading the Word. I know the Word, you know. And, and I couldn't think of one perfect family. Can you think of any right now? What? You thought you knew some, right? Email sal at sanctuaryfellowship.org. Yeah, and, and so we couldn't think of one perfect family. Can I, can, I, can I dare to say there were no perfect families in the Bible? Doesn't that mess somebody's theology up? Like God gave us a book with not even good examples to follow? Why would He do that? 
That, that messed me up for a little bit. I had to wrestle with that. I said, but God, what, shouldn't you have given us at least one good family that we could say, you should be like him and tell your wife you should be like her and tell the kids and you should be like them. Amen? Because look what God did with them. Look how awesome they were. They never talked back. They never, they never cheated on each other. They never argued. They never fought. Give me one good family in the, in the Bible to, to model my life after, Lord. Why? There were no perfect families in the Bible. And they're none today. They're just broken people taking the broken pieces of their lives and allowing God to make something beautiful from, with them. Amen? See, I'll end with this. The gospel message is simple. Romans 5, 6 says, You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. You just received that today. While we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Listen to what it says. Very rarely will any, anyone die for a righteous man, though a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The Message Bible puts it this way. Christ arrives right on time to make this happen. He didn't and doesn't wait for us to get ready. He presented himself for his sacrificial death when we were too weak and too rebellious to do anything to get ourselves ready. And even if we hadn't been so weak, we wouldn't have known what to do anyway. But God put His love on the line for us by offering His Son in a sacrificial death while we were of no use whatever to Him. See, God didn't wait for us to get ready before He paid the price to bring us back into relationship with Him. And God is not waiting for us to get ready now. Can somebody receive that? Can somebody that hasn't been here for a while, this might be your first time, and you might say, this place is off the chain, it's, it's crazy, it's ridiculous. God is not waiting for you to get ready before He can deal with you. God is not waiting for you to get it all together before you can come to Him. God is not waiting for you to be ready. He brought you here today just like you are. As sneaky as some of you are, do you really think that God hasn't seen everything that you've done? Some of us just haven't been caught yet, right? A thief is just a thief when he gets caught. A murderer is just a murderer when he's caught. Some of us just haven't been caught yet. But Christ died for the ungodly. I'm going to ask you today, whatever it is you're going through, would you just stand? Whatever it is you're struggling with, would you just stand? Would you stand today? Whatever you're feeling this morning, just stand on His truth. Whatever report you've received, just stand on His word. Whatever you're believing, just stand on His promises. <coughs> because when we stand, God shines and change comes. Let's worship, let's worship, let's worship.
Thank you for supporting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We are a new and growing church with a passion and a heart towards enjoying God, serving people, and building healthy families. We pray that you will continue to fellowship and grow with us as we follow hard after God. Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.sanctuaryfellowship.org. God bless.